everyone, welcome to the Vocal Code Unlocked podcast. And today I'm joined again with my lovely Katie Home Smith. How are you doing today? I am very well. And how are you? How are you doing? I'm, I'm well. This is I'm I'm good. We're I still feel like um a little bit in lockdown, but um yeah, I'm I'm alive and well. I'm here. <laughs> Good, good. Yes, so this is our third episode and today we are going to talk to um, an incredible musician, MD, who in my eyes is a bit like Batman. You don't know who Batman is, you don't know where he is, but he just arrives and he turns up, he does an amazing job and he goes home. Um, you don't really see him much online and um, you know, but he's he's incredible. So I really wanted to get him on on the show and just get to know him a bit more. Um, and we are going to be speaking to Alex Montague. Hello there. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for having me. And what an intro. I've never <laughs> been described as the Batman of anything. So thank you very much. <laughs> I'm just keeping it real. <laughs> Amazing. How are you today? I'm doing good. I've had a good walk in the park which there have been a lot of since uh this COVID-19 situation so feeling good feeling good it's not raining mm. today although actually working at home I prefer it to be raining because then I don't feel like I'm missing out I see okay you know? mm. all right okay well let's just dive straight in if you don't mind um so COVID like I said I still feel like I'm a bit in lockdown because you know no studio sessions having to record loads at home being a session musician in COVID-19 how have you been managing um well it's funny because so half my work is kind of studio work um and or kind of arranging gigs that I'm MDing or programming for and then the other half is is live so I'm kind of different ratios throughout the year of how much I'm in a situation with people <laughs> human to human contact and uh doing a lot of work by myself editing and producing and uh the lark so kind of end of March most of my work kind of coming into the summer was mostly kind of live so it was an interesting time to have this hit where I didn't have the luxury of having kind of my 50-50 split very evenly over the last kind of three months. So I just had to adjust mm. really. Um, some things I just couldn't do, you know, gigs got canceled. And even some of the studio sessions, I can't work with those artists because they don't have setups at home. So, you know, and, and they're not able to come into the studio yet. So yeah, it, it it's definitely been interesting. Um, all that being said, I think, for me, the main thing was just not going crazy and not missing, you know, my old life too much, you know, <laughs> and and not expecting it to come back anytime soon because we're still kind of in relative lockdown and a lot of people would have thought, oh, we'll be out by now, you know. So I'm glad I didn't kind of have um, <laughs> expectations of being back and, you know, everybody being back in rehearsal rooms, etc., and the phone ringing off the hook or whatever. So, yeah, for me, it's been about surviving, staying creative and not going crazy. Yeah, I think we're all feeling a little bit like that, aren't we? It's um, just a brand new experience for us all. But um, Alex, can we kind of go back to the beginning for you uh, with your musical journey and just can we talk about like your training? Like, where were you trained? Um what are your musical influences kind of just so that anybody listening can kind of really get to know where you started from in the music industry or even prior to that, actually just your education. Yeah. Um, I love this question because music is in my family. So my mother, she is Dutch. She, uh, her, her father, my grandfather was an avid music lover. His father was an organ builder and an organist in a kind of uh, Anglican church. And then my other great-grandfather was also an organist. So I've got kind of two organists in my kind of ancestral past. Uh, my mum plays piano. She was very instrumental, pardon the pun, in helping my um, 
my piano development as a kid because I started lessons when I was about six. Uh, classically trained, did all the grades and all of that. Um, I went to Brit school when I was 16, did that for three years. And then I always loved the idea of going to uni, but I just couldn't find a course that I loved. And I felt very privileged that the level of education I received at Brit, I was like, do you know what, actually, I'd already started gigging. I was like, let, I'll just, let me see if it works. Let me just jump straight in and see <laughs> if I could, you know, build a career out of this. And, um, and it worked. I, I actually hadn't finished my grades by the time I finished Brit. So I actually took a year out to do my grade eight, which was a bit of a risk because I actually turned down work in able to, uh, so that I was able to do it. But for me, because I'd started in classical, I thought, do you know what? This is something I want to finish before I never go back to it again. Um, and I always appreciated the kind of theoretical and, and technical groundings that classical gave me, because by that point, I wasn't really interested in taking classical music further in terms of a career. I just I liked it because of, yeah, the, the, the foundation that it gave me and the confidence that it gave me. Um, but by that time, I was interested in everything else that wasn't classical. <laughs> like I've been brought up on classical music, still love classical music, don't get me wrong, but it's not ever something that I wanted to pursue as a career. And it's also very competitive, especially for pianists. Like I, I would not survive as, as I am now, as my skills are now, I would not survive in that world. I just wouldn't. Wow. That's really interesting. Never, I wouldn't have thought, I don't know, in my mind, I just thought if you're classically trained, you've done all your grades, you're going to be equally picked alongside another yeah. pianist I had no idea it's, there was that le mm, level of competition it's like the beginning you know grade finishing your grade eight is kind of the beginning and you know there's some things that I was practicing at the time that I can't do now you know it's kind of like muscle memory if you're not doing it you, you don't really have it um but there's much that I'm grateful for from that kind of way of and it's very disciplined like my mum would not not let me practice I had to practice every day and even when I was doing my grade eight, I was practicing for six, seven hours a day just because I wanted to, I just wanted to do it. I just wanted to finish it. And I actually failed the first time. I don't want it to sound like it's all gravy and I'm just amazing at everything I do. I failed the first time because I was juggling. I was teaching as well just to kind of keep myself financially afloat. Um, but I didn't have loads of session work. So I kind of didn't uh, dedicate myself to it as much as I should have. So yeah, I did it again and then I passed. So it's all gravy. Wow. Wow. And so once you'd finished your grade eight, you then sort of explored the musical stuff that you really wanted to get your teeth into. And what kind of stuff is that? Oh, I, do you know, so I'd, I'd kind of got into playing gospel when I was about 14, 15. Um, and I, I kind of feel a bit like a cheat because a lot of my friends uh, and colleagues that I, kind of ended up playing with they'd grown up in that environment and it's very much a kind of uh you you're kind of a sponge in that environment you grow up listening to it you you can you know sit behind a band and you kind of it's a very kind of informal kind of mentorship the way that you learn how to play like that so I kind of always felt I was on the back foot but I had a couple of friends who uh, were musicians in in certain churches and I used to go and just I wouldn't even play. I'd just go and sit behind whoever's playing organ or whoever's playing piano. Da, 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 da. And I just, because I was just so hungry at that age, especially then transitioning from, yeah, kind of GCSE time to then going into college. I just, I just wanted to learn. I just wanted to be better. I just wanted to be around people that were better than me. Um, I, I mean, that hasn't actually changed. <laughs> like I, I love being around people that are amazing at what they do. And, and I think music is, essentially a collaborative thing even though it is a business and we you know we've all got to make money from it I think to be great at what you do is to recognize greatness in other people and I will never forget the keyboard players that were so kind of influential to me not only in that kind of gospel church scene but people that also kind of informally took me under their wing in terms of um, session work as well so I kind of learned that style and also how to program sounds on keyboards and because I'd kind of come from a bit of a production background as well. I started making grime when I was about 13 or 14. So I kind of understood the basics of 
kind of making sounds and I'd already been producing for a few artists at the time. So for me, it kind of all came together in a kind of nice mesh where I didn't actually want to become a session musician. Like I never had that desire. I always just loved kind of, yeah, creating, creating and writing. And yeah, I just loved that whole working with other people and trying to make whoever's vision it was, whether it's the artist or whoever kind of comes to life. So I always had that desire from a young age, always. Okay, so that, that's interesting to hear that, you know, you weren't necessarily going to make this your full-time thing. Like, what, what would you have gone into otherwise? Um, <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because when you start out, you don't necessarily do the thing that you want to do straight away. Like, we've all kind of earned our stripes in that sense. You know, we do things that we wouldn't necessarily want to do every day, but we know that it's kind of a step on the ladder to get closer to where you are. And often the only way to kind of build experience and discipline is actually to do things that you don't like doing. Like school, for example. There are so many subjects at school I did not enjoy. But what I did enjoy is having the discipline to finish them anyway, you know. And I think sometimes in music and in and in life and in your career, it's good to have that yeah. discipline because you don't know how that skill or that practice will benefit you down the line. And so even though I didn't want to be a session musician, being a session musician has been an invaluable source of, um, yeah, of skills really that I've been able to apply to, you know, being an MD or being a producer or being a songwriter or being an arranger. So there's so much crossover, even though it is, I guess, all in the kind of live music, um, genre i've found that all of these things have helped my other hats if that makes sense okay so with that said how did you become or how did you start becoming an md um and then how did you find being an md working under an, um, other mds how did that kind of how did that kind of crossover happen yeah um so uh so I think I I learned how to manage manage a band by watching other people do it. Um, I had a I had a guy who um, there was a guy called Harvey Reed who went to my church, and this is so I'd grown up in church, but I'd never played in church until I was about fourteen because it just wasn't that kind of church, um, and it wasn't. It was a very multicultural church, so we weren't playing um, exciting music. You know, sometimes we were playing very kind of, to me at the time, just quite boring stuff. But watching him putting the music together and doing different arrangements, and I'd be like, oh, wow, so you can take that song that I don't like and you can actually make it into something that I enjoy, not just playing, but listening to. Because um, I wasn't always playing. Sometimes I'd, I'd just be watching. And I loved the way that he managed people and the way that he brought the best out of people. And that was always something very inspiring to me. And I was like, that is, you know, if I ever did what he did, you know, being an MD in a church, like I'd, I, I would want to be like that. There's so many things about him that I really liked. And he was a great keyboard player too. So I was, it was like kind of a double, double whammy for me. So I've always enjoyed working under people when I was young. And that didn't change when I got older. Um, obviously, there's some things that I would do differently. But I think largely when I work with other MDs, it's great to see how people do things differently and what I can learn from them and like how I could apply it you know, to my own work. There's, there's loads of examples of people that I can think of that I respect as MDs and musicians. And I, I think it goes back to what I said earlier. I think music is collaborative. And I think even though, yeah, being an MD or whatever can have, it has kind of, it's like a title. I think when it's not kind of a hierarchy and it's not about power position and it becomes about everybody 
we're a team, you know, and we all have different roles in our team rather than it being about somebody's better than somebody else and, oh, I'm in control and getting the best out of your team. That is, for me, that is the heart of, of making a great show. You know, understanding your artist vision, being able to work with management, you know, getting the best out of the BVs, vocal arrangements, all of that stuff. I, I love the process because it is collaborative. And for me, I think the greatest honor about being an MD is trust. That I'm trusted by the band, I'm trusted by the artist, I'm trusted by whoever's hired me, you know. And I think I enjoy that kind of responsibility. And sometimes that is a lot of pressure. <laughs> it's a lot of pressure to have to, to know that that kind of expectations on you, but that you've been asked to do it because you're capable and because they want you. And that is a, that's a secure feeling, I guess, when, because I don't always feel confident. You know, who does? You know, I wouldn't even pretend to to say that and so sometimes I'm like I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> why would they ask like honestly you could have asked so-and-so you know but um no it no it really is an honor and I, and I yeah as I say I think I really enjoy working under people that know what they're doing and I'm like oh yeah yeah that's a, another way of doing it rather than oh, I wouldn't do it that way just thinking oh that's an alternative Method. that's brilliant that's that's really refreshing to hear because i think in the industry it's really um because of the level of um competitiveness sometimes that collaborative aspect is taken away and you know that's kind of one of the reasons i love being a backing vocalist you know we always get that question of don't you want to be the lead it's like i really relish the harmonies <laughs> and you know being in the team and you know creating magic that way you know that's that's what i you know I, I love that so i can definitely i definitely relate to what you're saying that's that's absolutely amazing mm. yeah i was gonna say actually alex just hearing you just explain your th thought processes and the way your personality traits it makes so much sense to me that of course you're going to be an md like that collaborative kind of thing it's so yeah i mean who else would you want holding everyone together more than someone like yourself? Um, I was going to ask you, how do you find picking your, your band? So when you get entrusted by an artist to be the MD for their band, like how do you go about finding the people you want to work with? And do they have kind of like, oh, what, what's, what would be the role in that? Would you ever audition? Would do you just call upon the people that you know that you can count on? Is it a personality thing and obviously a musical thing? Like, what's your go-to method? Mm, I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. Oops. Um, <laughs> Tea time. No, not I, do you know what? I think it's a great, it's a great question, you know. Um, and the answer is, is different every time, I think. It has to do, you know, if I'm under pressure and it's a last-minute thing, then 100%, I'm just going to go with who I know is going to do the job. And it's going to be out of people that I work with regularly. I mean, I'm quite fortunate that I work with a lot of different musicians fairly regularly. And some of them, if not most of them, I've worked with in an MD capacity. So generally speaking, regardless of the genre, I will know who can get the job done, you know, provided they're around. Um, I have also held auditions. That tends to be for new artists where the management or label feel like they need to see a potential relationship or vibe between the musicians and the artists it might just be because they're young I find that more with young artists that are just coming up it's not just about oh guys yeah I've, I've got the right team they can they can the bank can definitely do it it's like well yeah okay but I want to know that you know that they that the artist is going to be comfortable around them especially if they're female i felt i found that a lot and i think that's good because i think you need to be especially you know when you're dealing with artists sometimes when they're like you know 17 18 and they're fairly new to it i think there needs to be kind of a uh, a kind of protective atmosphere around um around them do you know what i mean you don't want band members that are mm. going to try and hit on them do you know what i mean that that is important um so I think, yeah, most of the time it's about who I think can do the job, but it's not 
always completely up to me in that sense. And I don't mind saying that. I'm not like it's not doesn't feel like I'm saying that and it feels as though I'm my word isn't enough, but I think that there are other kind of factors to consider sometimes. Um, but largely, I, I don't I don't really have the problem of oh I really don't know who's going to do this this gig. Usually, I've got too much choice, you know, which is a great problem to have. Yeah, that's awesome, and that makes sense actually because to audition the younger kind of up and coming singers and musicians, it's almost like it's it's a little bit of a networking opportunity isn't it it's like you have to showcase yourself in the room and say this is who I am this is what I can do um because otherwise you know they're new we we wouldn't have heard them before well th and this is the other thing I was going to say I I've not so much now but I used to have a lot of kind of younger musicians inbox me email me like have you got any work you know what's you know if if you put in a if you put in a band together for something you know I'd love to be involved and I wish that I could give more opportunities like that because actually more times than not that situation I'm not I'm not going to be able to bring them in in that way because auditions aren't as that the audition situation scenario isn't as common as can you just put a band together please you know um and actually maybe that's something there's a gap for which is something that I, I wanted to address because I feel privileged in that I had people that kind of brought me in. And I also just cold called people, you know, when I was like 18, 19, I was like, who's fixing? Who's MDing? What's their email? I'm going to hit them up. Hi, I'm Alex. This is what I do. But, you know, sometimes you don't hear from people at all. Sometimes it took two or three years for me to get a reply. Um, but some people that, are trying to get in they don't have any connection to anyone and i do wonder whether there is a way of making it i mean there are there's, there's loads of ways of doing that but that is something that i've thought about um in an already kind of oversaturated market actually <laughs> there are so many musicians and it's hard you know, I spoke about there being a lot of com competition in the classical field. I, I, I know that to be true because I have a few friends who are involved in it, but I think it is very, it can be, yeah, and is very competitive in, in, in the pop kind of session world too. Um, so I can only imagine what it's like for younger musicians coming up now uh, to try and get a look in. I don't know. I know, it's tough one. The shoes that they would have to fill are pretty big. Um, so, you know, when you when you say the pop genre is, I guess, oversaturated to an extent, but is it oversaturated with the right type of musician and vocalist? Because it may, do, do you understand what I mean? Is that, you know, because if, if there's a reason you keep mm. going back to the same, or to a set of musicians or singers, because you know they're just going to do the job. It's like, isn't that where the gap is? Do, do you understand what I mean? It's like these young musicians coming up, it's like you want to give them a try, but it's like if you are only doing, you know, number one artists like you are, you know, Leonie Lewis, etc. It's like, you know, where, where, where do you then find the trust to give that person an opportunity? Um, I guess it would be in the kind of the first scenario I gave about, auditioning for for a new artist because it doesn't matter how good you are at your instrument you can't cheat experience like there are so many gigs I thought when I was 18 I was like not that I was particularly arrogant if I can be that objective about myself but I just thought you know I listened to the music I learned the music I learned it in every key I'm like I could do this key. like I could do this key. I could play for Jill Scott I could play do you know what I mean? like but I, <laughs> I realized in the kind of uh, ensuing decade that I'd, I don't know, I'd, I probably wouldn't have been able to because it's not just about being able to play it. You know, they created that, that bond, that bond of being a band. I didn't understand that at the time. You know, I was playing with other musicians, but I didn't really understand what it was like 
to be on the road and play and do life and be excellent at what you do and not just be able to replicate what somebody else is doing but be true within that own genre and to be called because of your reputation that takes years you know to build a reputation um so it's not just about playing and so it, sometimes it can be a little bit uh, misleading if people are sending you you know tapes of them play tapes that sounds so old uh, video videos or whatever of of you playing uh, of them playing sorry because you don't really have an idea of of how they're gonna play with other musicians i'll never forget my first audition <laughs> and, and and it's funny because this or this first audition i did i was so over prepared like i i think i got sent the tracks and i learned every single part <laughs> on the, like they said oh just just play you know the main keys part or whatever i was like i just learned all the different parts and I was so worried about like trying to play everything that I just kind of just didn't do a very good job. But I learned something that day, which is, you know, <laughs> um, it's not the difference between me getting it right at home and the difference between me getting it right with musicians I've never met before, never played before. And even, uh, you know, an MD fixer I've never met. There's a lot of nerves and expectation of yourself that you kind of bring. Um, and so I kind of learned very quickly from that. And every audition I got after that, I got the gig, which for me was, <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, yeah, I, I would, I wouldn't do that again. I definitely, well, yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought up the whole experience thing because I feel like sometimes in the music industry experience gets a bit forgotten. And I, and I know that it's, it shows in our work and it shows in our professionalism and how we behave when we're actually on a job. But I do feel like people, I don't know, sometimes people just want something new um, or sometimes it feels a little bit like financially, we have to keep reminding people, you know, like we've been doing this a long time. Like there's a difference between what I'm bringing mm. uh, and it's not because I'm better. It's just because I've been doing it more and I, I've got just that little bit more understanding of of the situation and the ever-changing environments that we'll find ourselves in. Um, I wanted to ask you, Alex, about competition. Like, how do you deal with uh, competition in your field? Like, do you find it competitive being in the music industry as a producer, session musician, touring musician? And how do you deal with it? The short answer is no. And I say the short answer because it's a bit more nuanced than that. But I think generally I don't find it competitive because I don't find myself trying to outdo anybody else. Uh, or like, I'm a, okay, I'm aware that it is a competitive industry and that often if I'm being picked for a job, there might be five other people. But I've never really been worried about which gig or which job I'll get just because I've just got other things to worry about. Like, if I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it. And I'm always grateful for whatever that is. You know, it, as I said before, it's, um, it's always an honour to be asked and also to know that other people have been considered for that job and they've asked you. Similarly, I know I've been in positions where they've asked somebody else to do it. They can't do it. And so I get it. Like, again, I'm not really that like, oh, well, I was only second choice. I, I, like, I, I don't really care. I, I, I don't. And I, and I mean that because if, I, if I'm going to say that I respect what other people do, then I also have to know that I'm not always going to be the first choice. And that's not me trying to put myself down. That's just me. Because I, I know where I've been in that position where I've said I can't do it. And then I've recommended somebody else and they've got it and they've gone, oh, I've got the gig. I was like, I didn't say, oh, they asked me first. I don't need to. I don't need to. Because I know it, it, that's how, just how it works. And in that sense, I don't find it competitive because I enjoy other people's success as well as my own. And I probably care more about my success than other people, you know, because I have to. <laughs> but I, I don't really get, um, yeah, I don't really get jealous about who's doing what because 
you know, I think I think it's great. And and I also enjoy how other people do things better or different to me. I've become friends with musicians because I saw them on a gig and I found them on Twitter and I was like, I think you're great. And we've, you know, we've we've become friends and we've worked together and I yeah, again, I, for me I just I love the the community aspect of being a musician and essentially a lot of the jobs you get will be through relationship as well i think that is a massive part i mean there are only a few people that can get away with being really really arrogant and still getting like loads of work because most people that i know are super humble they're great at what they do they're super humble and they're able to build great long-lasting professional and sometimes social relationships with um, with people that have enabled them and continue to enable them to get work so yeah I think in answer to your question I I know that it's there but I don't really engage in that side of it yeah can I can I be really cheeky and ask this next question is that something that has always been in your career or have you has experience and age allowed you to become more because I, I the reason why I ask you that is because I'm going to be honest I've definitely noticed a shift in my own competitiveness with my peers um as I've got older I very much like how you were expl explaining it like Do you know what I'm I enjoy seeing my friends and my peers and my colleagues rising up and doing really really well um but I can't say that in the past when I was a little younger that that wouldn't have been like Oh, I want that job. <laughs> Why did they get it in yeah. me? So yeah. I was, I just wonder because um, it, it makes so much sense. Um, but again, going back to the experience thing, you know, you've been doing it for a long time. Um, so did you ever feel like that? Or have you always been able to maintain that kind of balance and morale? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, I, yeah, so when I said that, um, I care more about my success than other people. That is 100% true. I'm not going to pretend that, you know, I'm fighting for and gunning for everybody else's career, like, more than my own. <laughs> um, but, again, I, I can't really... There definitely have been times where I'm like, I wish I got that gig. But not in a way... Um, not that I feel negatively towards that person. I have to accept I wanted a gig. I didn't get it or whatever. Or, you know, the, I have a list of artists that I'd love to work with before I die. And I don't feel negatively towards the people that are, you know, currently working with them or, or have worked with them in the past. Um, I think I try to, not always successfully, but I try to balance my own desire with yeah trying not to be actively jealous of those who are who are doing it now because largely I've aims that I've had from when I was younger in terms of what I wanted to achieve in music I've done a lot of them and I didn't need to sabotage anybody else in order to get there and so for me it's more a patience thing I always I'm like do you know what I like I believe in myself enough that if I continue to learn and continue to get better and continue to build relationships that it's going to come at some point and it's not that I won't be frustrated along the way and think why hasn't it come yet you know because as I said when I was younger I was like I could do any gig like come on then like you know what I mean I could like I just I had that confidence like because I was so hungry um but um experience taught me that whilst it's okay to want those things, it's not always going to be the right time. And I'm, it's not even trying to over-spiritualise it, really. It's just a matter of fact that your skills and your experience aren't always going to be matched up. You know, you might have great skills, but you, like we've all been on the road. That's very different to learning the stuff at home. You know, things changing, you know, arrangements changing between soundcheck and the gig or, you know, whatever. <laughs> That is experience. Those who are experienced know, and those who are experienced are used to being able to be flexible because on the road, you're, you're balancing your personal life, not going crazy, getting on with everybody else and having to deal with creative changes. 
um, which might be a change of key, which I can only imagine can be very frustrating for singers such as yourself. You got used to certain muscle memory and then all of a sudden, oh, no, we're doing it differently mm, now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're so right. It is uh, the bane of our, our life. That actually moves in nicely into um, this next question I'm going to ask. When it comes to your workload and your personal life, what keeps you going when it's all too much? And how do you balance it? You know, how do you balance that in the sense of if you get a project that you, you know, how do you say no? You know, do you get to a point where you're like, actually, no, because I need to prioritise um you know home life or i've just got too much on i might not be able to do a good job you know how do you find balance between it all yeah so it's a good question i i am um, <laughs> when i was younger i said yes to everything uh, absolutely if i could physically do it I, like i would be there and i learned kind of getting into my early 20s that that wasn't going to be possible for too much longer not not because I didn't like being really busy or that I didn't enjoy, you know, traveling and playing for different artists of different genres. It just is, you need headspace and you need rest to be able to do your job well. And I remember <laughs> there was this 24, I've had a few of these, but this is the most, the one that I remember the most. I had four gigs in 24 hours. I was 23. And I was, I'd basically like, I'd come home, I'd done like a gig in Munich, then I'd flown home, gone straight to do a wedding ceremony, then I'd gone to do like a, a session, like a studio session in the afternoon, and then I drove to do a, like a wedding function in the evening. And by the time I got home, I was like, Alex, this is, this is not, because the thing is, I didn't enjoy the day, like I didn't enjoy like I enjoyed the first gig, but by the time I got to the third and fourth gig, I thought, I'm, I'm just not here, you know. And whilst part of me is grateful that I was able to make that work, that is not something that I would encourage <laughs> anyone to do for any kind of period of time, just because, like, it's not, that's not what it's supposed to be about, like, doing everything that you can physically do, because you would just get burnout, and I have experienced burnout from doing too much. Um, and I think it's good to have a strong kind of family and friend network to kind of keep you not, not grounded in the sense of not being arrogant, although that is, that is important more just like, you know, why are you doing this? Why are you be, like, if, if all you're doing is working, then what is it that you're trying to accomplish? If when your family see you, you're, you're not there or when you're with your girlfriend, you're just in a different place or, you know, wherever it might be. Um, I think a, a healthy work-life balance is important um, and there's no formula for that necessarily I think the balance of that for me has definitely changed over the years and that just kind of comes with time I guess and, and, and experience um, you know trying to have a regular routine in a very irregular life is something that I've <laughs> always found um, tricky um, not not always because sometimes things just fall into place but especially if you're kind of doing a lot of international work and then coming and doing stuff in London, just kind of changing your hat and, and juggling different headspaces, because essentially that's what it is. I think those who do jobs that are more straight down the line, um, I think it's somewhat easier to kind of separate your work and your home life. Whereas I think a lot of our work is, it can cross over like we are required sometimes or expected to be social in our work environments, which can be draining. Let's be honest, we don't always get on with everyone that we work with, not that we hate them, but there is definitely a social element to working in music because it is collaborative, it is supposed to be fun, but it's also business and it's also professional. So towing the line between that can be draining because sometimes you feel like you're kind of doing both being a friend and being a work colleague so yeah it's an interesting yeah it's definitely an interesting balance to be struck um but i i for me it's definitely been more positive than negative uh, and because i like to travel any like i travel in my spare time so the fact that i get to travel with work is just it's just great so you've been able to balance it by making it part of your lifestyle just something you know making sure that you travel 
anyway, regardless of, of work and enjoying enjoying the travel while you work as well. So mm-hmm. just making it a lifestyle rather than separating the two so much that this is just my job. Well, I tr- yeah, I, I definitely try. And it's funny because every year I get more selective of work. So kind of going back to what you were asking, Katie, in terms of how do I say no? Every year, and I, I hate... I hate, I say I hate, it's a bit strong, but I don't like uh, New Year's resolutions because uh, I don't like systems imposed on me that I should do something. I'm like, if I need to do something, I'm going to do it for myself when I think it's a good time for me to do it. But that being said, um, so what I do is I do my review in December instead of January just because I'm just stubborn about mm-hmm. it. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it in, on January the 1st. I'm going to do it in December. But um, what I do every year is I review... Uh, the work I've done and whether I want to continue doing it, whether I want to continue doing that job or do I want to do something different. And even if I don't have anything new lined up, like, do I need to say no? Do I need to free up time to explore other avenues um, in order to be able to do them? Because uh, I found that something's always got to give. I can't do everything and do it well. So if I want to do more writing and production, that means I have to do less of what I'm already doing um and it's always a bit risky because when you say no to something it means that you don't have it anymore so something needs to kind of take its place um but for me thankfully whenever I've said no to one thing something else has always come up and so that's always given me a confidence of I don't have the tangible proof that something will come right now (laughs) but but history has taught me that like it that it will come and so that's always been nice to feel secure in my own, um, I guess, yeah, skill set. Um, but interestingly, this year, I, yeah, I said no to a few things. <laughs> it's so funny because obviously I, no one knew that COVID was going to hit, right? <laughs> so I'd said, I, what I'm doing now during COVID is pretty much what I've been doing January to March. Apart from, you know, obviously the, the gigs that have, have uh, been cancelled it doesn't really feel that different because I'm actually doing a lot of what I set out to do at the beginning, well, at the end of last year. So that actually feels great that I am able to do something that I plan to do, even though I'm restricted in so many other, you know, aspects of work. Um, Some things I wonder if I shouldn't have said no to, but I don't regret it because, I, as I say, I have the time to focus on the things that I want to. Um, and, and I'm being really vague on purpose. There's a few things I'm working on that I can't talk about right now, which, but they're really exciting. And, uh, yeah, hopefully I can talk to you guys about it at another point. Um, but, yeah, for me, that's exciting because I, I don't like to stay stagnant. I don't like to do something just for the sake of it because of work or even if I enjoy it sometimes things do naturally or 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 just have to make a decision that it has to come to an end um but I've (laughs) I've definitely turned down a lot of potential great work just because I felt like I needed to be in another headspace and I don't say that with any kind of arrogance in that oh I've got so much work coming through that I just say no it's like I am so grateful when people call me for stuff but sometimes it's just not the right time and I've said no to things and it's come back around you know that that happens too um which I'm sure you guys can relate to so yeah I I don't really regret anything like any decision I've made and I don't really regret it even if I think it was a a poor choice because I've learned you know it's just about learning moving on new skills even if it's what I won't do next time you know it's so inspiring isn't it it's like just having the inner confidence just to listen to your yourself and say what do I want to do <laughs> what do I actually want to do with my time and I and I love I love like what you were saying I just I love the idea of just you know that kind of saying if you let it go and it will come back to you not that you mean I mean that literally Mm. with work I just mean if you're true to yourself and you make space for things that you enjoy um my question sorry just jumping out of that sentence for a second was gonna ask you about how you balance all your different roles being like MD session 
musician, uh, producer, being in the studio. But I guess you've kind of answered it because uh, I presume it's important for you to have those different platforms because, yeah, I mean, I, I feel if I'm relating it to my career, I couldn't do the same thing all the time. I couldn't just be on the road 24 seven. Um, so I, it would, would you say that's correct? Would you say that you mm. kind of need those different um, elements to, to you to make sure that you are balanced and that you're happy and you give yourself space? Yeah, because it's funny. I'm, I never, <laughs> I never thought I could make, I say I never thought it wasn't in my peripheral to make, a living from music. I I always knew from when I was a kid, I want to do music. Like I loved school. If if music didn't work out, I would have I would have gone and studied English lit because I loved history and English and all of that. Like I was a bit of a nerd at school, so I always kind of had that plan B if I wanted to. But I never liked the idea of a plan B. I was like, well, if I want to do something, I'm just going to do it. Um, but for me, I guess kind of going back to when I said about not wanting to be a session musician. I I always wanted to compose for picture, which is um, something that I'm kind of closer to, but it's, it's interesting because I guess that was kind of, or is kind of my ultimate goal to be, to be able to score to picture, but not doing everything to focus on that one thing. I've kind of had to uh, toe the tide in terms of what is happening naturally for me and what I want to do. So I've, I don't know, I think partially successfully been able to balance the two because I've been doing a lot more of that kind of work recently. And I don't think I would have had um, the experience or the skill set that I've procured from my live work um to be able to do what I'm doing now and to kind of learn the skills that I'm that I'm doing now so yeah I think that for me it is important to do what I want because otherwise I'm just going to look back and think uh I, I wish I'd have done that different because I only did that because it was the good money or I only did that because I really like travel I, d I don't as I said before I don't I don't really regret anything but I don't really regret anything because I'm, I'm kind of consistently um, reviewing <laughs> so that I don't get myself into a position where I'm going with the flow so much that I'm not aware of what's going on and what my long-term goals are. Um, so for me, it's always been important to have different musical outlets. I wouldn't be, um, I don't think I'd be content to just be one thing. Maybe at one point that'll be true, but I, I, at the moment, I just, I love having different hats. Sometimes I come in just to program. Sometimes I'm just arranging, you know, I, I, and I like that because I have, um, I can look at a project more objectively and I like sometimes not being in charge because I like to fulfill somebody else's vision rather than being so close to it. I, like I like to be able to separate my skills and I and I I'm grateful that I'm able to do that that somebody can could call me and say I just need some keys done great or I just need a string arrangement done great you know I for me having the different hats is what keeps it exciting definitely mm, that's really really important as well because I think people coming to maybe session vocals and bvs I know I did you know my my career is wall-to-wall -to -wall touring maybe three or four years at a time with an artist and all the other skills that I amassed I've not been able to do unless I stopped so actually listen, listening to you mm. being able to kind of you've been successfully able to compartmentalize because you made the time you know I could have made the time I could have said no to some things you know so actually listening to you has been really inspiring in that sense so anyone listening yes go into BVs or yes, go into being a musician, but if you do have other skills, hone them, use them, um, you know, be multifaceted, have various strings to your bow and use them. But I just think sometimes you can also just get stuck in a rut if you're, if you're, you know, if you're used to it, 
you know, successful and you just keep booking job after job after job after job, it can get a bit like, okay, well, how do I get off this, this ride? And, you know, you're constantly reliant on that. That's now your main source of income. And you think, well, actually, if I drop this, what's going to happen? And so, yeah, it's, it's really inspiring to hear you talk and speak about actually the power of no, the power of no, the power of being accountable to yourself, mm. the power of reviewing, the power of kind of like actually going, is this actually doing me good for my career, for my, my headspace, for my skill set, and not being afraid, just taking those kind of risks. That's really brilliant. And, and also what better time to be able to utilize that flexibility when you get hit with like a pandemic and suddenly your profession is based on a live touring scenario, which you kind of go, okay, that stopped. And I don't know when that's going to start. So what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I personally mm. have really relished in the opportunity um, to finally be able to produce and record my own vocals. Like, yes. you know, Great. and that's yeah. some, something that I would not have, I've been putting off and off and off for years because I'm like, no, I've got to make that money. Got to do this. I want to get this. I want to be, and it's so, it, like Adetone was saying, it's so refreshing just to kind of have that other opinion of saying, no, no, it's, it's okay to just, you know, just do something that you really want rather than just chase, chase, chase all the time. Um, I guess we all have to just go through our own journey, don't we? Everybody, anyone listening that is whatever stage of their career they're at, they're, they're going to be at some point on that ride. Just like thinking, mm. yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm saying yes to too much stuff and stuff I don't want to be doing. Um, I'm scared to say no. Um, yeah. So it's, it's just, it is really inspiring to kind of get that. It is scary to say no though. Like, it's not, I'm not saying that it's been easy to say no, like, definitely not because sometimes I'm like if I say no I, I've no I have no idea I have no proof that this this time you know it might have worked for the last 10 years but I have no it might not work <laughs> and and, mm. and the thing is as well I always I have to make sure that I'm not um propelling past success onto my future that just because it works then that's going to work now um and also it's interesting what you said as well like the grass is always greener you know like when I'm touring on the road like when I'm touring thankfully I'm able to if I have um if I do have production projects I can do that on the road it's difficult because of headspace but I can get by and then when I'm not touring and I'm doing kind of more you know spot shows and studio sessions I'm like oh man I wish I was on the road so it's one of those things it's kind of a toss-up I I definitely miss whatever I'm not doing mostly I miss when I'm doing the other thing definitely. yeah 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 I don't want anybody listening to give up either just because of COVID-19 it doesn't mean that music won't return it will return in a different way probably a better way and the free event that we're putting on shortly um you know is about kind of minding your business managing your finances the three of us we've we've done so much work over the years and I'm sure you know we're all quite savvy we save, um, I think we can sit here confidently and say, actually, we've managed well. <laughs> Don't put words in anyone's mouth, but you know, we've made it a career and in making it a career and a business, we've been, yeah, mindful of our, of our business and our finances yeah. and making sure we save and we don't, you know, just spend it willy nilly. Maybe we've invested, maybe we've bought properties, you know, that's also where that confidence comes as well. Cause it's like, okay, cool. I can turn down this job, but I know that, okay, from the last one I saved X, Y, Z which means that I can afford to do that. Mm-hmm. So there's that, it's having that mindset is really important. So it's not just a hobby. You're not just going down to the pub, singing two songs, getting 200 quid and going home. It's like, if you want to make this a full-time thing, you have to be extremely well-rounded and mind your business mm-hmm. and really, yeah, really take it seriously in that sense. Mm-hmm. It's not just, it is fun, but it's yeah. not just for yeah. fun. Yeah, it's true. Well put. We haven't we haven't spoken about the Batman. Oh God! <laughs> well, I, I, I think I, I feel like we. I feel like I could talk to talk to you both all day, um, <laughs> but I feel like we've kind of done a really nice loop. Um, and yeah, like as Alex, he needs to he needs to get back into the suit. He's like he's Batman. He's got somewhere else to be. He's got somewhere else to be. He's got something else to do. We could actually end on that question because the 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 question we haven't asked you so far is. 
you are so elusive on social media and it's like why have chosen that stance in terms of networking because you know a lot of us have like instagrams there's this pressure to post every so often you know we need a one-page website you need this you need that and some of us who are more established some of us they haven't even found us through the website it's been word of mouth or another md going oh actually yeah call katie call Adatone, call alex you know so what why have you been why have you kind of gone against the grain or just not followed the crowd <laughs> it's funny because uh, yeah I, I i get asked this like i have different um I think I have different answers because I remember <laughs> I remember when I came off. I mean, I've I'd always been an avid social media user. Um I came off in <laughs> I came off in 2017 and it was partly because I had a lot of work and I was juggling a lot of juggling a lot of work. And um I kind of felt <laughs> I kind of felt bad because I was posting about things and then I was aware that clients were waiting for certain uh, things to come through and not, not in it like waiting, like, Oh, you know, I'm really, I where, where's the work? Not, not in that kind of way, but kind of, I felt myself on the kind of pressure end of the spectrum in terms of posting. Um, I, I don't think I've, I'd ever felt consciously like I was trying to, maintain a certain image but i'd always enjoyed posting what i was doing and interacting with what other people were doing but i got to a point i actually just didn't enjoy it i, I like it wasn't like a, a it wasn't like a big moment but i was like Do you know what i'm gonna take a month off that that's what i said to myself i'm gonna take a month off i want to focus on my work i don't want to focus on posting about it that was just like a personal mm. thing a month turned into like three years <laughs> like I, I never like I never really decided I'm gonna come off social media that was never really a thing but I think what I have discovered is how much social media how much I didn't not didn't need it because I didn't feel like I necessarily needed it before but I see how it is important and how it's not and it was more about just my mental state not feeling like I had to keep everybody up to date with what mm. I was doing and also how much other people do that for you anyway yeah. <laughs> like oh I saw you on such and such as Instagram so it wasn't like I was completely a ghost but I think I also enjoyed the mystery and also being able to catch up with people and them actually ask me what have you been up to rather than I saw you here you posted that da, 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 da. Um, and again nothing against anybody that is using social media because as i say i never i never planned to come off and i actually look forward to coming back um i'm just working on like a new website and stuff so i just want it just to all be one thing when i come back but yeah there's elements of it, of it that i definitely miss and i i do still browse and i still do kind of see what's going on i think it is important to have presence on social media like all that to say, I do think it's really important. And I think, I don't think that a lot of my work has been through Instagram, but there have been some, and I've probably missed some because I haven't been on it. Again, because of where my focus was on, I don't really uh, mind that. Um, I've, I definitely have felt a happy place when I didn't feel the pressure to post. Mm. I don't know if pressure is the right word, but like as I say it was only supposed to be a temporary thing like some people come off Facebook or whatever for like a couple of months and then come back um but I yeah as I say I just enjoyed it so I just mm. stayed off um but yeah there is I think there is something that is good about um being mysterious or being elusive because um I don't know why actually because you're the Batman I, I, as I say I think I, <laughs> <laughs> that's why Alex why are you off social media because I'm Batman oh Okay, yeah. Shut down. Yeah, I lead a double shut down. life. I've I've had loads of accusations thrown at me, so you can keep them coming. I think it's healthy because you know we as musicians, especially pop musicians, I feel like personally, I'm giving everybody everything all of the time. So actually, what you think you know is what I want you to know. Mm. So you see, mm. go to my Instagram, yes. you see a professional, but I have a life, and I think there's this pressure to share every 
little microcosm of your life and it's like well no yeah <laughs> that's <the stage. laughs> you know i'll share i'll share myself on stage with you but otherwise yeah, yeah. life is absolutely and it's a very personal choice isn't it it's like depends on where you are in life what do you want to be doing yes. with your time it's yes. all cool just yeah um but it's it's good to again just uh what you were saying before alex just so, so good just to have that honest chat with yourself and say you know what i'm gonna do this and it's it's fine like i can come back to it i don't have to it's cool <laughs> rather than mm. pressure or <laughs> just doing it because you think you should or maybe because it's the thing to do uh, it's just nice to be able to make your own decisions and um yeah just try things out so oh mm. it's been great Alex, this has been absolutely phenomenal, inspiring. Thank you so much for asking me to come on. Oh, That's amazing. great. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. I don't know about you guys, but I've literally, there's so many nuggets. I had to just save myself from writing it down. I forgot I was recording. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep this simple. Professional. Professional. Yeah. But yes, thank you. Now, you know, you guys are great thank at what you, you do. And I thank you for having me thank on. Thank you, Ad. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Well, thanks, guys. That was our third episode of Vocal Code Unlocked podcast. And we'll see you next time. See Bye. you later. Bye.